Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to episode 59 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week we're doing some highlights from around the nation. We're talking about some players of the week, some players who impressed, and of course we're going to talk to Michael about his travels around the Midwest. This week we're also going to be talking about this proposed NCAA legislation that would move the contact window from September 1st of a player's junior year to June 15th, just after their sophomore year. And Michael and I, we have different opinions on this, even though we kind of might be on the same side of the argument. It's a very complex argument, and you're going to want to listen to it. We're getting into the show right now. All right, we're back with another week of the Around the Crease podcast. Of course, my co-host, Michael Ward, is here with me. Michael, welcome back to another week. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. All right, so this week we don't have we don't have a guest this week, so it's just me and you. Uh, we got to fill you know forty five minutes to an hour, which certainly shouldn't be a problem. So everybody should just buckle in and get ready, because um, this week we're gonna do something not different, but we're gonna kind of go region by region or story by story. Um, there was a few things over the past week that have just kind of caught my eye and caught your eye. And obviously you traveled a lot um, in the past couple weeks. So we're going to kind of hit some of the highlights of the stories from around the nation. And then we're going to, at the end, kind of talk about this, I guess, proposed proposed rule change by the NCAA uh, that could have an impact on the lacrosse rule, which really I don't even think has been instituted for a year. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But first, kind of want to start off with just, uh, you know, I know you're the Midwest guy, but I want to start and just kind of throw a big shout out to Cade Newton from South Elgin for uh, one. He was my player of the week last week. Well, de- last week, depending on when you're listening to this on uh, my for week five of the season. But he also reached uh, 300 career points, which uh, is one of those obviously once you start to hit 300, I think you start to kind of reach a different level as far as scoring. Like you have to be very consistent, but it also like when you start to get at 300, 400 career points, like you pretty much have to play from your freshman year. Like it's hard to get there in just like one or two years. Even though there's a couple kids that have reached close to 300 um, uh, after two years, but it doesn't happen very often. But so you know, and going to just kind of throw him a nice shout out because it was very interesting to talk to him um, because mostly like he had a Pretty good freshman year, scored 93 points. And then when they won the D2 state title in, oh, let me not forget the year now, 2017, um, he blew up for 140 points. Um, and then last year, he kind of stepped back a little bit. He had 42. And like I, when I was talking to him, he said he had he had no idea he was getting close to 300 points. It ended up being his dad to tell him, like, I think the game before he actually ended up getting the record. So it was one of those, like, it was interesting to talk to him because obviously a very humble kid and very appreciative and as uh, a lot of the kids do, credit a lot of his teammates. So I just wanted to throw a quick shout-out to him to kind of get it started because I think it's one thing I want to do more this season is to kind of let people know, like, who the player of the week was each week and kind of why we ended up choosing guys like that Um, because it's always one like, I try to project on some of the players through the end of the season why I might not name them player of the week for early in the year because I'm like, well, they're going to do something later in the year. They play this series of games, and there's kind of some expectations on them performing well. Um, but also like to kind of give the, I guess the mid Atlantic, uh, uh, roundup is another kid out of, uh, Virginia, Danny McMinn out of Briar Woods. He just became the program's all time leading scorer last week. And I don't know if anybody, like, I don't know how familiar you are with Briar Woods, Michael, but they're a pretty solid program, um, year in, year out, very consistent and have had some pretty good players in their history. And, but McMinn just, uh, reached his top 25 all time in Virginia, which, 
Virginia has a pretty good history of yep. lacrosse, yep. just in general. Um, and I don't know how familiar or most people were like, when you think of Virginia, like uh, a lot of the schools are kind of in the, basically say DC area, the Alexandria, Northern Virginia area is a lot of where probably the teams that end up ranked St. Stephen, St. Agnes, Paul, the six, who we had coach waters on last week. Um, those kind of programs are kind of up near that area. And then you kind of get uh, St. Anne's Belfield, which is kind of the Charlottesville area, which obviously anybody familiar with college lacrosse will know where Charlottesville is. So it's kind of that area. But then you also get Richmond, which is kind of in that center of the state. So the state is big. And it's yes, very, I love the state. It's, it's cool. very it's separated. It's like three states. It really is. And, I mean, then you got West Virginia, which is it's literally right. its own entire state. Right. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty massive state. So, like, it's interesting because you don't get all the teams that play each other Really, um, in the private schools, they the state does a pretty good job because they have the basically a private school league, and then they have um, just the regular public school championship. So all the public schools and they separate the um, private into D one, D two, and then public school. I think they have like I think it's four or five classifications now. Six um, A being their biggest, which is obviously the biggest schools, and then but it's interesting because uh, like schools like Saint Stephen, Saint Agnes. And uh, Paul the Sixth, their private schools, St. Stephen's and St. Saint, uh, Agnes plays in the IAC with Landon's and Georgetown Preps. Paul the Sixth plays in the WCAC with um, Gonzaga and St. John's and schools like those. But then they also play in the VISAA uh, championship. And it's, it's a pretty brutal tournament because I think it's um, the WCAC championship is usually on like a Monday night. And then the w, the VISA tournament literally starts like the day after or two days after. So like a team like Paul the Six can play in a championship game in the WCAC and they literally have to turn back around and start a completely new tournament <laughs> two days later. Uh, so I didn't mean to give the Virginia history lesson in the middle <laughs> in the middle of this, but always one of those things like it's it's a unique state and that you know they they divide it and they classify it in the way it's kind of laid out. Plus you get schools that aren't really in like you're like they don't play each other until you know they kind of get in that private school playoff system because that's a lot of the schools you end up seeing ranked among the the top 25 and the region rankings and stuff like that are those private schools but you know back to danny he ends up with uh the previous program record was 234 points held by cole pearsaw which is a class of 2017 so cole didn't get to hold the record for too long before danny <laughs> danny broke it um but like i was talking to his coach and they still have 10 regular season games left, plus, you know, potential playoff uh, run for them as well, which they should make a pretty decent run in the playoffs as well. So he's a good another player. He's probably got a shot at um, 300 points this season. Um, so good luck to Danny and, uh, and Briar Woods. And one final shout out, because this literally happened just before we started recording, was Garrett. And I'm going to say Munich, and I'm going to apologize because apparently you can't even type pronounce his last name into google and it doesn't come up which really surprised me so we're going with garrett munich so if you're listening i'm sorry for mispronouncing your name but he's from stars mill in georgia and he just passed 600 career faceoff wins and he's just a junior so he's another kid that you know stars mill has been a program kind of on the rise i think they're a relatively new program um but they have been steadily climbing um year in year out and i forget who they beat off the top of my head uh last year but they had a pretty big win out of Georgia last year. So I think they're probably a program that, um, you know, I, I don't – it's say hard to be challenged, the the Lambert and Westminsters, because they have so much history behind them at this point. And obviously, Lovett and Lassiter and Centennial. And, like, there's so many programs that have a history down there. But they seem to be a team that is 
steadily on the rise and definitely could be kind of competing for that level of recognition at some point. Don't know if that's this year. It's one of those things like, as you know, you win a title and then people start talking to you, <laughs> start talking about you a lot more. You're like you gotta, you gotta get over that, that, that hump a little bit. Um, so that's kind of the, the tour of the mid Atlantic and a little bit of the Southeast, I guess as well. So like, obviously there's a lot more and anybody who is reading laxrecords.com, like we have all the region kind of breakouts and a national notebook. So if you want to read more of this stuff, you can go to laxrecords.com and most of this is in there from last week. And then we'll have a new one each week. Like I do a national notebook in mid Atlantic on Mondays and Michael, who we hear from next does the Midwest. So it's about as good of a segue as I can do. And I know you've been a, uh, well, I guess you said you weren't quite as busy last week as you wanted last to be. Week, last <laughs> week wasn't as busy. But here, I, I want to shout, I, I, I want to point something out that you pointed out. I don't know if it was in a, I, I don't know when it would, things pass quickly. West Islip, because West yeah. Islip is very important in my house. Yes. My wife is from West Islip. That's where I got my love of lacrosse Yeah, with Tommy Corcoran yep. as the new coach. New coach. Getting first, the first victory in how many years without Coach Craig? Oh, I can't. It's uh, 34. Thirty four. I'm getting confused because there's a few New York coaches like Mike Masser. He's new. Then um, Kurt Benny Quattro out of Carthage. Like right. he stepped out. Like there was a lot of coaches out in New York that finished their careers last year, and I can't. It's like it's hard to keep how many years each of those guys were at each well, of those schools. I, I will say this: my wife graduated from Saint uh, from West Islip. She's going to kill me for her age, but that's what, <laughs> what it is. In 1988, he was the coach then. Yeah, I, I want to say 34 years. He was there for, yeah. a, he was there for right. a while, obviously, leg, legendary, legendary well, I, coach. He coached my son. So yeah. that's, and, and Tommy Corcoran actually coached my son. Yeah. So, uh, so I just wanted to give that shout out, make sure that West Islip's getting, you know, because I think they just got overlooked a little bit in the Inside Lacrosse article uh, talking about, um, Ward Melville saying, "Oh, they're the new West Islip." So, I, if you saw and, that, yeah, well, they're taking. So, I just wanted to give a little. Yeah. There's a lot of competition in New York in that area. Like, there's a lot, a lot of, not even good programs. There's a lot of great programs. There's programs oh. that don't make championship. Like, they don't get off the island championship that could probably win a state title in a lot of other areas of the country. I mean, I'll say most of the other areas. Yeah, I'll I mean, say, I, I would. I hear I'd venture a guess and say. 42 states yeah. i mean there's that I, that I could almost say i guarantee they'd win yeah i mean you got now, you, you they get... can compete anywhere but 42 states they'd you know these teams are it, they're awesome yeah it's, it's that it's a different world to watch them play yeah and and like baltimore it's a different world yeah definitely a different world so but anyway so yeah yeah we'll definitely throw the uh, congratulations to coach corkin on his first win and actually um, while we're in New York for a second, the West Genesee new head coach, Coach Smith, just got his first win after, and I forget how many years, Masera, 40, 43 or 47. Like He was literally the only coach in that program's history, and it's almost weird. Like I'm going to have something in um, tomorrow's notebook that basically like Syracuse.com did a really good like behind the scenes of their first practice because this one is like how many times are you going to get to cover – a program and has got a first head coach in like almost 50 years. Like that's it's, crazy. It's, it's like, insane. And for those people who don't know West Genesee, it's the West Jenny drill, the drill yeah. that every school, every team uses. Okay. We're going to do the West Jenny drill. Yeah. It's based on that school. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you're big when a drill is named after you. Yeah. So that's, that's how big that school is and the change that made was made there. So yeah. that's, 
I so, think that goes in part with the whole the, the world of lacrosse is changing a little bit. You're seeing these old guard leaving. You're seeing new young people coming in New York. You're seeing the states pick up in other places. Yeah. I think this is a, a, a sea change that we're seeing. Yeah, and I mean, as we've talked before, it's always interesting when you see, like, I mean, we're not even talking about, like, decent coaches coming. These are legendary coaches in their right. respective states. And I'm like, and is, how's that going to, how's the program going to react? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's worked for so long. Like it's probably, you know, it's probably not as much of an impact for the kids. Cause there's you know, like West Genesee. I'm sure the talent level in that school is not going down, but coaching counts for so much in high yep, school. Yep. And it you does. know, so many coaches I've recent read interviews aren't like things are, things have changed when a lot of these guys started their coaching career. So can the new young crop of guys, like what is their coaching? Like they're, they're coming into a, a different world nowadays a way different than, way. you know, when Mike Massera was, when he started his right. coaching career, when coach Craig started his coaching career, when Ambrose started his coaching career, like it's a, it's a, it's a different universe now. Like they, yeah. they're playing with different imagine, rules. I can't imagine a parent walking up to any of those coaches and saying, why isn't my kid playing? Um, <laughs> I just, I actually am thinking and I'm laughing to myself because of things I've seen with parents yeah. and I'm thinking that wouldn't have worked with that coach. Yeah. Like, that would be very stupid to do. Yeah. Uh, and that's the changing of what's going on. You're seeing a lot of parents or, you know, players say, I need to play more. And this it's, it's a different world. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, right. you, you saw the reaction of uh, most people whenever they, when Coach Izzo yelled at that guy oh. last week in the tournament. And it was one of those things. And you're like, people were up in arms and calling for him to be fired and all this stuff. And you're just kind of looking at him like, and he's like, kid wouldn't get back on defense. Like, I'm like, that's a. I, it, we've become a little sensitive. Like you, you can get like you know what? Like I've had a boss chew me out before. If I if I earned it, then okay. And you either get better or you don't. And then like well, whatever happens after that, that's you, know, you had your chance. I'm like you know I right. guess I'm not. I guess I've I've had my sharing of being chewed out, and you adapt and move on, and or right. you just find something else to do with your life. Right. And I'm like exactly. you know what? Yeah. Like you worked in a different world too, so like I'm sure your bosses weren't all like gentle and be like oh you, should, you know maybe you could do a little bit better tomorrow <laughs> sure. Sure. this conversation is mo- different in most of my worlds i was the boss and i was not and i was not <laughs> quiet and polite uh i could never i could never be a boss again yeah. I, I i just couldn't i it's it's not because i'm way too demanding and it just doesn't seem to go over well yeah. So that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. We're gonna get back get, to we're gonna yeah, get back to get, the Midwest. Let's, let's get back to the Midwest. So, so what's so, happened? And obviously, as we're recording this, like Thursday night, you've already been to a few places. That you, actually, I don't even know if you spent a night at home this week. To be honest. I, I did. Yeah, you know what? Well, I, you know, so I, I'm trying to think. It is Thursday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. So Wednesday, I was in. So okay, I got to go back to. You got to seriously, you seriously. The <laughs> The days all blend together. Um, I started, <laughs> I started the weekend in Michigan at Carmel uh, Forest Hill Central. Mm-hmm. That was on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so on Saturday was uh, Forest Hill Central, which is in Michigan, which is um, the runner-up in Division Two in Michigan. They are loaded. They're they're low. It's a loaded team. They have a ton of talent. Um, so it was there, or I was looking at going to see Brother Rice versus Saint Ignatius. Yeah, uh, of of uh, Cleveland. So again, using Twitter, using this wonderful thing that 
you know, for a 50 year old guy like me, all of a sudden I'm on social media. Uh, I put which game should I go to? And the Carmel Forest Hills game got the most votes. Yeah. So I went there. Now, uh, coincidentally, I live in Carmel, so I knew pretty much all the players. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I knew a bunch of parents from Forest Hills. So got in the car, went up there, uh, cold, cold day, you know. <laughs> But uh, game started off. Now I knew it would probably get a little chippy. Yeah. Uh, they played last year. A lot of kids know each other because a lot of kids play travel ball together. So there might have been a little talking, a little gamesmanship. But yeah. uh, it started out, and it was a it was a back and forth game. Uh, wasn't the cleanest, wasn't the sharpest game. Um, I think For Forest Hills was coming off a game a couple days ago. Carmel played the night before. The overreaching thing that I've noticed in this week is teams aren't so sharp. It's early still. Yeah. Like Michigan just started. Michigan just started. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I think it was Carmel's third, fourth game. But one of those games was against Culver. So, I, I, I mean, that's just right. like taking abuse. So, it was a good game. Started off good. Um, and then Tate Halleck. Uh, who is an All-American, uh, Mitty from Forest Hill Central. He is going to Michigan State as a football player. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's pretty athletic, I think. That tells you about all you need to know. <laughs> I, I think his two brothers or brother or father or uncle, they've all played football at Michigan State. It's a Michigan State family. Yeah. He sort of took over. Um, now, that's not to take away anything from Jackson Clay, who's Bryce Clay's brother, Yeah. who as you've mentioned before, he might be one of the top freshmen in the country at Michigan. Yeah. Um, he's lightning fast. Well, his brother's like the same way. Okay. Um, so he was dishing, dashing, running through people. It was a nice game. And then Tate Halleck scores five goals in the first half. Yeah. Uh, let's say it devolved after there. It got chippy. It got ugly. But I, I like it wasn't anything where I was like, you know, clutching my pearls. I was just like, this is what happens. This is, th these are two tough teams fighting right in the end. Um, Carmel lost 19 to 10, which is a big score, which is a big score. I mean, yeah. it's a, I mean, this isn't like a pushover. Like Carmel's no pushover. Right. I mean, they're going to, they're going to beat up on some people Yeah. for that score was an eye opener because I've put forest Hills in my, uh, personal ranking. Yeah. Forest Hills is the top three school in Michigan. Yeah. Regardless, you know, uh, up until that point, I was saying it could be Brother Rice. It could be Detroit Catholic Central. It could be Forest Hills, maybe East Grand Rapids, Rockford, whatever. But it was yeah. those three. Um, at the same time, when I was watching Carmel, Brother Rice was throttling uh, <laughs> St. Ignatius yeah. of Cleveland, who was the state runner up there last year who some people thought would be the best team in Ohio this year. Yeah. Brother Rice beat them 18 to eight. And that yeah. was their first game. Yeah. That was a big score. Big score. So now I have to sit there and think, okay, is brother Rice that good? Is St. Ignatius having a down year? You know, these are all the things when you have interstate play and you talk to teams and you talk to uh, coaches and you talk to players and you see, hear this and that. So that brings me to my next game, which is, in, mid, in the Midwest, it's probably one of the biggest games you can see. Yeah. Brother Rice, Detroit, Catholic Central. Uh, that's the – I mean, there are a few heavyweight games. Uh, Loyola Nutrier, mm -hmm. Brother Rice, Catholic Central. 
depending on what where you are in Ohio, there's you know they they, they could have four different big ones each right. year. It might change. Uh, I think there's going to be. I think uh, Moeller Xavier is a big one. I think you know the state championship big one. Mm-hmm. But when you think the big ones, Nutrier right. Loyola, Brother Rice, Catholic Central. Yeah. So I went there. Now, for people who don't know, Brother Rice has won the won 14 state championships in a row. They've won 24 out of the last 26. Last year, they did not win the state championship. Yeah, they that was, lost. That 14 they, was before last year. Right, before last year. So coming into this game, Detroit Catholic Central was the defending champion. Brother Rice was the runner-up this year. Yeah. So that added to the storyline. Now, I kept thinking back, was was the 18-8 to 8 over St. Ignatius, was that a statement? Were they coming out letting everyone know? Right. Well... I can say now I think it was a statement because mm-hmm. Brother Rice came out and it's not like Catholic Central is loaded too. I yeah. mean that that field was loaded with college players. Yeah. I mean loaded. But it just seemed like it it just seemed like it it looked like a boys and men's situation. It just seemed like I don't know if it became the perception, it just seemed like the the um Brother Rice people were bigger. Yeah. And faster and, and just got to everything. Yeah. Now, mind you, the Catholic Central goalie, Johnny Shea, made 15 saves. Yeah. He only played for the third quarter. Yeah. Brother Rice scored 16 goals. He made 15 saves. He made four saves in the first three minutes. Yeah. Wow. That's like, and not just like, you know, oh, this is a piece of, you know, bubblegum right. getting thrown at you. Low to high missiles, high to low. Like, I I was writing down in the first three minutes, this kid's the player of the game. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's, but then it, it, it just kept coming. It just kept coming and they finally broke it down. Um, Justin Glad, who he is going D1. I've forgot where I left, I left all my notes. In the press box up there because it did get really cold. Uh, he's a Division One player. He scored six goals. Yeah, he's a, he's he's a beast. Yeah. I worry what they're going to do to other teams if they play like that. I mean, I don't know if they're always going to be, but I'm sure Coach Chala will keep them that fired up. Yeah. But it was, and it, it, as I said to the Catholic Central guys, I said it's one game. You're the defending champs. You know. And I always wonder, like, I always think about, um, granted, I grew up an NC State fan, so, like, I'm kind of used to r- trying to rationalize early season losses. But, you know, right. odds are those two teams, they have a shot at meeting again. And I've always two wondered, more like, is it, is it better to have lost that early game? Because That's then it's like, you know, you're like, oh, you've been exposed. You know what to work on. Like, because I remember talking um, with the St. Anthony's coach years and years ago because St. Anthony's and Chaminade out of Long Island – they basically go back and forth with the Catholic League Championship every year. And I think there was a run where St. Anthony's would always get Chaminade in the regular season. And then they would lose in the championship game. I remember asking the coach, and he, he was like, you know, sometimes you just wish you'd lose that first game. He's like, because he's like, Cause you'd rather lose that one than the one that counts for it all. And he was like, and you learn a lot from the loss. He was like, and you get a little bit, he's like, you might get a little too cocky from the win and be like, we got them. So like a win like that, you almost wonder, it's like, Granted, I think, as we've talked before, Brother Rice might be playing a little pissed off. So, yeah. Like, oh, they no, they they were. They, I mean, I, and, and by no means do I want to say 
they were playing with purpose. They yeah. weren't playing pissed off because they're. I uh, maybe three penalties. Yeah. I don't think it was dirty at all. Yeah, no, I didn't um, mean to imply dirty. Right, right. You know, you, know, it's, like... but, yeah, but, but, you know, people might assume when you're saying pissed off. Oh yeah, they came out with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, and I guess they, to clarify, they like, won the game. Was in, right, they didn't win the title last year, and that's. We, that's a legacy. That that's not Ooh. even that's not that team. That is no, a legacy no. that right. you know. Right. Uh so it was it was impressive. It was an impressive game. And they could meet two more times. So they could meet for the Catholic League championship and then the state championship. Yeah. And we all everyone sitting there talking about it was saying, Do you win the first one or lose the next two? How does it work? <laughs> you know, you you have to rationalize it. Right. You know, uh, my take on it was you go home. You forget it. I mean, what's the difference if you get beat by 10, beat by two, beat by one, you're still losing. Yeah. You know, whatever. That's what you say when you lose. When yeah. you win, you sit there and go, we kicked their butt, whatever. So yeah. I can see both sides. Um, the good news is for Catholic Central, they had a game to play yesterday. Yeah. So to go and, you know, that's the best remedy. Go yeah. back out. So now I wanted to see how they rebounded. I wasn't at the game, but I was getting updates. And they beat uh, East Grand Rapids, who is the Division Two yeah. state champion. Yeah, they beat them twelve to three. Yeah, so pretty good rebound. Okay. <laughs> and is and his brother Rice that good? Yeah. So, uh, and I think they are. I mean, I really looked at him, and yeah, you know, it's early in the season. Uh but when you see something like that, I looked and I said, I don't see a team right now that could beat them in the Midwest. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty big thing. I mean, we'll find out. And we are, we, so everybody knows, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, we are kind of taking Culver Academy prep yes, out, yeah. out of the equation. Right. Like, they're right. they're like, because right. I'm sure there's probably someone screaming at the, oh. the thing. We're like, but we're taking them out of the equation. We're not, yeah. you know. If, if, if someone's screaming at their podcast listening to this, they haven't listened before because they yeah. know my stance on, on Culver. Uh, although Culver lost, let's, let's just to let people we're gonna, know we're that. We're going to save that because right. I got an East Coast trip. So right. we're going to save right. that a little bit. Um, so then the next day, yesterday, so I stayed over in Detroit, got up, drove home. Changed my clothes, got in the car, drove to Cincinnati uh, for St. X, defending champion of Ohio, to take on Nutrier, the runner-up in Illinois. Now, yeah. Nutrier, always a powerhouse. Right. It's, oh, it's almost like Nutrier Loyola switch off every year. Yeah. And the weird thing about that one is, for the last few years, whoever's won in the regular season lost in the championship. Yeah. So, going back to the game before, I sort of asked coaches and players, I said, for the brother rice DCC game, thinking the same thing. I go, do you show your whole hand in this game anymore? Yeah. You know, do you, do you put all your packages in? Do you, do, and they're, and they're like, Oh, we play. You're yeah. like, <laughs> I was, they're like, rest assured you're going to see a game. Yeah. And I, and I did. Yeah. So back to yesterday at Cincinnati, going to see, uh, uh, St. X and, uh, new Trier. uh, new Trier is a strong team, return a lot of great players. St. X, uh, from what, from what the experts say in Ohio might be having a, uh, a down year or they might be a little younger. Uh, they lost some great players. I will say this. Yeah. I watched that game. They don't look, they don't look down to me. Um, again, the first half was sloppy. There were poor shot selections. Yeah. Let's just say that, uh, both coaches said after the game, 
there were some poor. Now, if these shots went in, these would have been like these are the greatest shooters of all time. I mean, they were they were you know they were they were tough. But it was a, that was another back and forth game. And in the second half, uh, New Trier seemed to uh, gel a little better. Yeah. Even though they still took some some crazy shots, uh, they gelled. They have some nice players. They have a very a very talented freshman uh, who. Possibly could have had three goals yesterday, which was, I mean, he, Johnny Hackett, uh, he went end to end, swim dodges, uh, roll dodging. He's a freshman. He's so fast, but he just took that one extra step and didn't get like it, it was like he did everything except finish. Right. Um, but that's a kid to watch out for. His brother's, and the other thing, his brother's on Loyola Academy. Yeah. So that's Nutria Loyola. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> Two brothers, right. Yeah. Um, but then the player of the game was uh, Henry Sherb. From Nutrier, three goals, uh, powerful shooter. I mean, just powerful shooter. I mean, you just see it like uh, there were a few times he shot a high a few times. He could have had six. Yeah. I don't think he misses those shots tomorrow. I think it was just, you know, it, it's it was that thing. But yeah, I don't know how he got that open. But again, a strong game, a yeah. strong game from both teams like it didn't answer a question for me. It didn't say, oh, San X isn't good. It was, if that game went on five more minutes, could have been anyone. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of game. It was a 9-7 game. And a lot of these games, like when you get these early season games, especially between teams that, you know, not they're not going to play each other again. Like, you almost, you kind of have to look, because obviously you're, we're looking at it like, oh, in this vacuum at this moment. But then usually by the time the season plays out, then you really start to know because right. if St. Xavier goes on and wins the Ohio State Championship, then you know, like, all right. right. But and if you know, vice versa, if St. You know, St. Xavier ends up with two wins on the season, then you know a little bit more right. as well. So it's always one of those like, a lot of times in these early season, like it's early for you know us as reporters too. It's like because it's when it's like you don't want to jump on the bandwagon Whoa, no. too early and be like, oh my god, this is the greatest team you're ever going to see. No, no, that's why because you don't I know mean, at this point, <laughs> right? Because Nutria could win the Illinois State Championship, San X could win the Ohio State Championship, yeah. DCC could win the Michigan State Championship. They did it last year, yeah. Um, but the only team that I've seen this year so far, and I've seen uh, twelve teams. This year, and the only team, and again, let's throw Culver Prep out of this because yes. it was like a machine, and I've seen them three times. Uh, Brother Rice was the only team saying, "Okay, that team, okay, that's a scary team." Like that's the team where I said, "That's scary. Yeah. That's a scary team." Yeah. The other ones I've said, I can see the talent, I can see the mistakes, I can see this. Um, I want to see them with a little more seasoning. Yeah, you know. Which we'll have. So yeah. So now my next four games, it's like I'm stalking Nutrier. <laughs> but I like to, I like to have the the interstate games. Yeah. Because uh, it shows you how one compares to the other. And then yeah. when I see them play their rivals at home, I can sit there and say, okay, they can handle this team like this. So it's it's not an exact science. Right. But I I take my eyes over anything I see in a magazine or a publication or anything saying this team's this. Yeah. I'll tell you because looking at it, like uh, I think someone said, wow, Nutria looks really good last night. And I was sitting there and and finally I couldn't take it. I go I go no they don't. Yeah. He's like he's like what do you mean? I said they don't look good. I said, they look sloppy. Yeah. I said, and I guarantee you, Coach Harala will say to me, they look sloppy. Yeah. And after the game, he said, 
we were a little sloppy. And yeah. I said, yeah. I said, but that's to be expected. Right. Now, now they have a game tomorrow night, which I'll be going to. And when we're saying, just to clarify, Thursday, we're talking yeah. um, Friday the 29th. So by the okay. time anybody's yeah. listening to this, this game will be history. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you can see what I mean. Um, we'll probably talk so, about it next week. <laughs> right. So they're going to St. X Louisville, which is, again, to, to mess with my mind more, I'm going to see St. X, St. X, New Trier, yeah. New Trier, then New Trier next week. And then, uh, so that'll and it, be an interesting game. And that'll tomorrow. give us a little concept because St. Xavier um, out of Kentucky just beat Archbishop Moeller out of Ohio, which, you know, was kind of our... No, one Trinity of... beat Moeller. Oh, Trinity. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. And, and St. X beat Trinity yes. yesterday. Yes, that, that, <laughs> Again, that big rivalry. And that's another team's there. Huge. They're right. the, that's the one rivalry two. in Kentucky. So. Right. That's one and two. It's too too so, many... Lo- <laughs> right, but the thing, but, right, that's the same Trinity. Right. So, but the wonderful thing about it is for us, yes. for fans, these are big season, early season. Like, it just kicked off with a, you know, it's it's like it's the fifth round of a fight. These are the There's Titans no in their up. area. Boom. Going against right each there, other. Right there, right there, right there. I mean, the only thing that's not that, I mean, as far as states, Nutria Loyola is towards the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Cathedral Carmel, which I expect to be the two people standing the best this year possibly that needs to play out but that's a big rivalry that's the last game of the year yeah but to see saint x trinity saint x molar saint x what these are all brother rice dcc these are all right. big ones so i'll be seeing new trier um saint x louisville tomorrow yeah and basically thinking to myself okay new trier is not going to be able to go in and be that sloppy right uh that early against this team because yeah. I think St. X at Louisville is super talented and they've been playing. Yeah. They're I think they're I think they're they, pretty warmed few, up. They've had a few more games. Right. So. so that that's that's a tricky game. And then this weekend we have uh in Indiana Indianapolis, I don't have to leave. Yeah. Uh, at Cathedral, we have Cathedral High School is hosting. I, I don't know what are they calling it? Is it a um I didn't get a sense of showcase, the title. A jamboree? Yeah, I mean MICDS out of St. Louis. Um and is it St. Ignatius out of Ohio? Um and Upper Arlington. Upper Upper Arlington out of Ohio, and then obviously Cathedral. They're all yes. kind of playing like round robin. Like they're all it's a four two day like, I don't I don't know if it has a name. Like we'll have to find right. out. Like anybody who's listening to this, like we'll end up talking about this because I'm actually going to right. Cathedral on Sunday to watch MICDS play Upper Arlington because um, right. that that was just too tantalizing a game to miss. So they're, I mean, it's going to be it's a it's a they're getting a double barrel of Lax Records representation at that. Yeah. So you definitely uh, want to stay tuned for that for next week because we'll obviously be be talking about those games. Um, I did kind of want before we kind of talk about our you know the the overarching big topic. Um, I guess we call it the fun story of the week because, and I guess it's only fun for, you know, maybe some people, uh, because as like anybody who was following lacrosse, I remember the, the kid out of, um, at Wheaton college, he, it was the big story because his head was too big to, they couldn't find a helmet to fit his head. Um, well, like the story ended up cropping up in my Google alerts in the morning. Like I checked it and it was like, oh, you know, it was almost the same exact headline where, you know, player Delaware's players head too big gets benched. And I was like, Someone just picking this story up from like two months. I was like, it was in February. I literally thought I was like, someone must be getting to this late. Um, But I clicked on it anyway, and it turns out, no, it's a completely different story. And this one is like a high school freshman, Billy Boyd out of Cape Henlopen, um, out of Delaware. His head is, he said, measures 25 inches around. 
And according to the story, the grown man's head is usually like 21 to 23. And we're talking like this is a freshman in high school. Um, and he can't play because he can't make a helmet big enough, like a regulation helmet. Like it was one of those, like I think the other kid, the Alex Chu from Wheaton, I think they said in high school, like they hodgepodge, like they took two helmets and made it one or something. It was like a crazy kind of like MacGyverish thing that they had done. I don't know if you saw this story, if you got a chance to read it because I dropped it in the, sh- the show notes. But it was one of those like, I was like, this is kind of crazy. Like, what are the odds of getting this story twice in the same well, year, months it's apart? Actually, it's actually the third time because Tohoku Nanticote had the same thing. When yes. he was he wore the box helmet at IMG and then in Albany, they wouldn't let him wear it. So he he cut two helmets in half and, and melded them together. Yeah. So there's where it started. So my thought when this came, when it happened the first time with the first boy, yeah. uh, my thought was, well, who made Tohoku's helmet? Yeah. Why isn't there 10? Like, why didn't they make 10 of those helmets? Because <laughs> if it happens to one, it could happen to another. So then it happened to that kid about two months ago, a month yeah, ago. It was early February, give or take. Okay. Why didn't they make four? Yeah. Because if it happened again, so the funny thing, there are like, big people. They had a quote from, uh, I guess, uh, it was Roland LaRose from the vice president of Cascade Maverick. And they said that, I guess, now they they have an alternative manufacturing process. Um, and that the Chew kid from um, Wheaton, he did receive a custom helmet in February, so he's theoretically playing. Like I haven't yeah, checked yeah, his he's career. Legit, so yeah. like I would have to think like it is possible now. Um, I don't know. Being this is high school, and the other two guys were college. You always kind of went as like, all right, what's the the cost? Like did the college pay for the uh, other two helmets? Like you know, Albany probably was going to get him on the field. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. like that's yeah. you know, and when you're talking that level, like the cost of that helmet probably wasn't much. Um, you know, it was like, hopefully Billy will be able to get on the field, like since they can make a helmet, because you'd really hate to see, like, you don't want, I mean, we're trying to grow the game and get the sport bigger. No pun intended, but you know, one of those, like, you'd hate to see, like, you don't want a kid to give it up just because like, well, I can't find a helmet that fits. So I guess I'll go play basketball or soccer or someplace where that stuff doesn't, you don't run into that stuff. But that was just one of those fun stories a week that comes across my desk every now and then I was like, well, that's different. Like it's just very odd that it happens multiple times in the same season. Right. Like, well, you'd think you'd think someone like Cascade though would sit there and say, "This poor kid, you know, we don't we don't want to make a kid not be able to play. We're going to make you a helmet and give it." I mean, that's yeah, that's is, that's that's great publicity. You this can't, is a, this can't is a pay cor- for it. It's an easy corporate write off. Like we are going right. to donate this helmet to Cape Henlopen and you breed goodwill and right. you probably goodwill, have a fan right. for life. Right. Exactly. So, and I'm assuming, knowing how the lacrosse world works that they do that people in the lacrosse world it, it's some it's not all about money right they do it for goodwill these aren't fortune 500 companies that all care about the bottom line everyone's in this together it's all yeah. about growing this to, to be good so i would assume they'll step up or somehow it'll get re- resolved and and everything will be taken care yeah. of and i'll link to that story for anybody who wants to read it and all in the show notes and everything it's one of those like i hope like unfortunately one of the things usually in, in high school reporting is a lot of stories don't get follow-up because usually like the the original story gets the headline and then but the resulting what the result is usually it's not quite as flashy so people made out so like i'm actually going to try to follow that to see if we maybe hopefully we'll find out if billy actually gets on the field because k pendleman like they're they're a good program out of delaware too like it's not a just a uh a nothing school like they they have history there so 
I have to believe he will get on the field. Maybe not as a freshman, but you know he will right. at least that get a, the, he will at least get a that helmet. Would be, that would be a big story too. That he's making the team as a, being on varsity as a freshman. I mean, yeah. that's that's also a big story. Well, this one didn't right. have a picture of him, but I had to think as like if his head's that big, as like how big is this kid as a freshman? Right. Like you know, I've got this... a, I'm assuming he's just a, a huge, huge, yeah, like a football was... player playing lacrosse. Yeah, so I'm like you know, it's always one of like he's like I guess we we won't know until he gets on the field how good he is, but you know. Probably not the way he would like to make the news. But, sure. You know, then again, they always say no, no. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Like you know, right. Well, I know, well, I know his name now. I probably wouldn't have otherwise. <laughs> so. Right. Well, well, I wish him the best because yes. you know, as for an awkward kid, it might be, it might feel awkward for a kid. You know. Oh yeah, and uh, obviously, we've been in high school. We know. Right. It can be God, rough to be different. <laughs> right. Now the thing is, I'm guessing if his head's that big, he's a big kid. I don't think anyone's going to be teasing him. You know, <laughs> that's probably like the wrong idea. Yeah. But. Anyway, it, we're, we hope it works out for him, yes. and we, you know, we hope it's great. And you know, I, I, I don't want to think like we're making fun of him. We're just no, no, no. I, it's it was, just a funny story, and it it's was a good just story, an and interesting right. story of the week. Right. That I was like, and it, hopefully, if nothing else, like it draws a little bit of attention, so the kid does get. Because I, I, it's always, I always wonder, like, if. If the stories don't get written, does anything actually happen? Right. Like only right. when they make the news. And you know, this was in the local, right. this was the local newspaper in in Delaware. It's like you know, sometimes you, you put a little pressure on companies, or you put like you give it a little bit more attention. Things tend to happen. So I agree. You know, I it's agree. one of those so, like that's, we're doing our part. We're yes. doing our part to try it's, to get him a helmet. We definitely want this kid to, to be able to play. You know, regardless right. of his skill level, like he's, he wants to play. He wants to play lacrosse. Like we should be encouraging anybody who wants to play the sport to play. You so it. you know, it's not this reduce the amount of barriers. Right. Um, speaking of barriers, the <laughs> big story of the week, um, and this kind of came across uh, my Twitter feed earlier this week, and. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one because I guess the NCAA, and this was reported first reported by U.S. Lacrosse, at least where I saw it, is that they're recruiting or possible new legislation to change the recruiting timeline that will um, permit phone calls, emails, and text messaging to begin June 15th, um, which is basically the end of a sophomore, sophomore season. And before it, well, not say before, like, Generally, most of the sports, and I know that, and, and this does exclude kind of the, the high revenue sports, football, men's and women's basketball, it excludes ice hockey too. Um, That's but, the weird thing it excludes is ice hockey. Yeah. Um, well, ba- and baseball says it has an added amendment that's also excluded. Um, and it said the a- Atlantic Coast Conference submitted a proposal that would exempt lacrosse and keep September 1 as the initial date of contact. So, like, I can't believe anybody listening to this wouldn't know, but just for context, like it was last year, it was I forget when that actually went into effect. Basically, all the coaches got together and they passed this amendment that was saying like no contact until September first of uh, the junior season. And for the most part, football and basketball, the major sports, that's what it is. Like you, yes, you still get the kids that make the commitment. Um, and anybody listening to this, we was like, I did do air quotes, air quotes, um, because <laughs> you can't. You, it's a verbal commitment. And I think that. And that's, I, I guess I don't see it as much in lacrosse. In football, we made it a little bit more clear there was a verbal commitment and then you signed. Um, so the commitment is basically like, I am going to, like, I mean, really, like, I can commit, like, I have four years eligibility left. Like, I can commit to Ohio State. Doesn't they're not committing to you. Yeah, they're not committing <laughs> to me. Um, and so it's one of those, like, it, for me, it was interesting because it was like, basically, all the coaches were kind of like, you know what? we need to stop this. It's getting out of hand. Like Brennan O'Neill was committing as an eighth grader. Like Joey Epstein was the previous earliest one when he committed 
during his freshman season at Landon. Like it's one of those, like, I think they finally saw like, we need to do something. And now with this, the NCAA could basically be like, and it, I don't, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been a year. I can't remember when that went it's into over effect. A year. Is it over a year now? Yeah. Because um, I know kids who are now sophomores who as eighth graders were being talked to. Yeah. And, and so now, and then it went in as freshmen. So that was now they're sophomores. So yeah. it was that last year was for sure the whole deal. Because I remember this this summer or this November when the fall season goes on, everyone's yes. like the coaches could actually walk up to the kid. Yes. At the fall tournaments. Yeah. And say, is that kid a junior? And then they could walk over to him. Yeah. So, and I know that that's yeah. the one year. And it seemed like the college coaches, they quoted a couple of the women's coaches who I don't have their names in front of me right now, but I'll link to the article as well. Um, but they, like, most of the coaches seem to be against it because it, I guess be the way it, um, I say most, the ones that were quoted were against it. I'm sure like any other thing, it's there's people on both sides. But it ended up being one of those things where, like, they feel like, I guess, their their summer will be crazy again because then they will, and it made me laugh a little bit because, like, because you don't know what the other colleges are doing. And that's really for me what it came down to. It's like you know you could you really could choose not to do it. And be like we're just going to keep September first because I mean to be honest, like it really like I don't think it was an NCAA rule. It's like you know they it's kind of like an agreed upon gentleman's agreement kind of situation. And it's always like you can choose not to participate or choose not to do it. And be like we're just going to keep September first. But then a lot of coaches were like they kind of taken their their summer away. Like they were like we're going back to the way it was. And I see their point on that. Like. But I put it out to Twitter, um, <laughs> and I thought it was interesting because I really wasn't sure what to expect. Like, you know, it was one of those, like, you know, how do people feel about that? And especially since my audience is high school, I figured they would probably have opinions on it. Um, and so a couple, I'm going to pull a couple that uh, got back to me. Um, Alonzo Lacrosse said they thought it would be a good move. It's very minor to move up from September in terms of the calendar, but major in that it fits students and family schedules better. Um, summer is good to have, summer is a good time to have contact. When they aren't in school, September students are busy getting back into the swing of school. So I thought that was a pretty good point, considering it's like, yeah, it's a little bit better for the students because they have a little bit more time. Maybe they can go visit some of the schools that they're interested in, that the co- that they know are interested in them. Whereas you know, in September when colleges are starting to talk to them, they're you know they're back in school, so it's a little bit busier. Um, and then you know, see. Uh, Cuthbertson, Cuthbertson, I'm going to butcher that. I'm sorry. Uh, CHS Cavs Lacks said they said they also, I think they need to wait to see how the next few years play out. The first year is going to be hectic. Second should be better. Don't jump the gun just yet. And I took that as like, basically don't change the rule. Right. We, we don't even really know how the rule that was in place really is going to impact things overall. Like we, we haven't had enough data to really know how it's affecting things overall. And then uh, coach Zach Burke, who is at Westlake in Texas and was a guest on the show a few episodes ago, he kind of agreed. He's like, the kids need to meet the coaches in person and get on campus in the summer. So from the responses that I got, see most people were in favor of moving this rule up, which from the college coaches that were quoted in the article is not the way. So it was like looking at like, and I think I'd made the comments like, oh, you know, it seems to be the push and pull between what works better for the kids and parents versus what works better for the coaches and the NCAA. And my little snarky comment was like, I wonder who's going to win in that battle. I'm sure you have an opinion on this. So I really like, and we haven't talked about it. So I really have no idea where you fall on this. So I'm curious to hear. Well, I think you probably answered your, when you said parents and one thing fall one way coaches. 
I'm a parent. Yeah. My kid's going to be a junior next year. Um, I will tell you, I thought the September date was arbitrary. I thought it was, it made no sense to me because who's thinking about lacrosse, honest to God, in September? Well, keep June in mind, 1st, too, that's a lot of right. like football, basketball, like that's sure, sure. usually right. what the majors I, right. do, and that's... I'm only thinking, my right. prism is all lacrosse. So what I think is great about this move is, now, uh, the question I want to ask, where were the where were the what were the schools of the coaches did they put where, what schools they were from um, were I they were they west coast schools or were they midwest schools i can't imagine the east coast schools complaining because i will tell you this starting in june to probably the end of august the lacrosse world lives on the east coast yes i will be usually in, in the baltimore area i will be in baltimore in the baltimore area for a month uh, with my son. Um, so, And when you're standing on the sideline and you're seeing 70, 80 college coaches there with clipboards. Yep. Last year in this thing, they couldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, they would just look, they'd write down a number. Now, think about the kids for a second, that they're busting their butt, working their butt off, seeing coaches look at them. They don't know. There's no feedback. So it's it's angst. I mean, I, I've seen it. I was talking with kids. and They're like, do you think I played well enough? Do you think this? Do you think, you know, I just wish he, I could talk to him. Yeah. Well, now they'll be able to talk to him. They could find out right then. Like, you know, a coach might walk over to their coach and say, hey, I'd like to say hi to Johnny. Yeah. Uh, hey, you looked good, this and that. I'm going to watch your next game. You could reach back and forth. So I think that's a good thing. And again, which uh, Alonzo said was the summer is the best time. So being out east. So if a school like Tufts, D3, but comes up and says, yeah. hey, we're interested in you. Um, come and take a look at our place. They could drive from where they are. Yeah. On that trip and say, I'll take two days out of my way. Again, I'll drive anywhere, but <laughs> I'll take two days over to go tech, check out Tufts. And then I'm back on Friday for the start of another tournament. Because... Yeah. Uh, Anyone who's listening to this, odds are you've got a kid or you're a kid and you know what your summer is like. If you're not playing out, out, out east, well, then I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just know this. If you're trying to go to college, odds are you're out east. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it goes hand in hand. I think it works nicely. I think it I think it takes a lot of the mystery out of it. It takes a lot of the angst out of it. Um, it gives you immediate feedback. There's a lot of people who think they've got a D1 kid on their hands. <laughs> well, yeah. You're going to know right then. Now, even if they even if they like you, they might say, I'm going to look at 15 other kids here, but you're on our list. Right. But the whole joke was, you're not a D1 player if D1 coaches aren't calling you. If you're getting all letters from D3, D2, and no D1, yeah. you're D2, D3. Now, again, not knocking the other divisions at all. I, I, I think actually for, for most kids, I would say you're better off doing a D two or D three because there is no huge money payoff by playing D one. And it is so time consuming, right? You have to love the sport to play D one. You're, you're kind of a professional athlete in division one mm-hmm. athletics. <laughs> right. Right. So, so Unless you think it's going to be the greatest thing in the world, and that's what you live for, that's great. But if you want to experience college, 
Now, granted, if you can walk out of D1 and get a $20 million uh, deal, shoe deal, like basketball or football or, or even baseball, right. then you do it. But there's no huge money payoff. So to, to make your choice to where you want to go and to find out immediately or to find out just to talk to the guy and say, hey, I was impressed by the coach or I wasn't that impressed by the coach. Yeah. To find out in the summer when you are concentrating on college. Yeah. And it starts from your freshman year. It starts from eighth grade. When you when you see eighth graders go there, freshmen go. Those coaches are watching those kids. Not as much, but you still see coaches on the sideline writing it down, yeah. walking up to a coach and saying, who is that kid and writing it down? So as a parent and as the father of a player who would hope to be recruited, uh, I think September is, I mean, I think having it in June works easier. It, yeah. It's more convenient. Um, I don't really care about the NCAA or the coaches. <laughs> right. You know, here, if you're saying, oh, we don't get our summer, sorry, you're a coach. Um, that's your job. Yeah. Not all of us have summers. You know, <laughs> what person's working has a summer break. Right. Well, Except you know, me, of course. But. Right. Um, you know, I actually think I fall a little bit on the other side of this because I look at him like, all right, you know, and keep in mind, like I started uh, my reporting career covering football. And football is like, None of the kids in football are hurting for scholarships as far as no. like, you know, there's full rides in, in that sport. And like, there's the same pressure. Like the kids football is a full time. Like if you're playing football and you're going D one, you are a football oh. player. Oh. You probably are not playing another sport. Cause you, once football season ends, you're getting ready for the combine and the combines are where you get your numbers and your four. Like oh. it is a full time. Like I've been there and I'm sure it's only gotten worse since I've stopped covering it. Um, but they're they're not hurting as far as getting recruited, and they can't be contacted until September one of their junior year. And I will say it right now, I would guarantee that if there's a college lacrosse coach that is out there and they see a kid during the summer, and he's just finished his sophomore year, he may not be able to talk to him, but he can talk to his high school coach. Yeah, he can talk to his club coach. And I've been in the room, not with lacrosse but with football, when a college coach has been in there, and the coach just happens to call Johnny. Be like, hey, can you come down to the office? I need you to grab something. Oh, you know, Coach Meyer from Ohio State just happened to be here. Like, yeah, uh, maybe you want to say hello. There's ways around that sure, for certain that stuff kids. works. Yeah, there is. Um, Again, but that's for the top, top, top. And it top. wasn't Urban Meyer. I'm not trying. To, right, I'm right. Not, just, no, no, right. No, no one at me. No, there's no right. recruiting violation. Like, right. you know, I'm just throwing uh, a name out there. No, I, that's that stuff does work. But, um, but so like I so I look at it from from that way and I'm like, is it? Yes, it's more convenient for parents and for kids to be able to go and visit and drive the Tufts. But I also look at it this way. I'm like, if you're taking it off the table entirely, for me, I look at it I'm like because I've talked to so many kids and you know I actually not sports related, but I read an article the other day about like how teenagers are more anxious and depressed now than ever before. Yes. And a lot of it, social media and the way it's like the constant contact and, you know, kids get bullied now. Like at least when I got bullied in high school, when I left school, I got to leave it alone. Like now it can go on digitally from, you know, after outside of school hours. So like I look at it from another perspective, like, all right, if you're just taking recruiting off the table for your entire sophomore year, like you don't even have to worry about it. Like if you have a bad game as a sophomore, which you were young, you're still developing. If you have a bad game, you don't even really have to worry about it because like, all right, I'm going to have other opportunities. Like I'm going to have the fall of my junior year to show coaches what I can do. I'm going to have a whole new highlight reel. And then you have, you know, 
your high school season in your junior year. Like you have other opportunities. Whereas, you know, I think when the kids are getting recruited younger, they there's there is more pressure because those games matter more. Because even though yes, everybody's on the East Coast, like college we've talked before, like not like these budgets are you know they don't have a football budget. Like these coaches are picking and choosing what events to go to now. Like you know Hopkins and Maryland and Towson and a lot of those schools that are located within 20 miles of St. Paul's and Towson and the areas and where a lot of these tournaments have, like it's not really an issue for them. They can bring five coaches because it's literally a drive. Some of them probably live a few miles from the, from the schools. So it's a little bit different. So I think like, I'm just wondering like, why is it such a bad thing to completely take the recruiting thing off the table for a kid of a sophomore year and let it happen in the fall. And then like, yeah, you can't go visit the college. But then again, when the colleges start contacting you in September, and then in October, you're starting to see like, all right, these are the colleges you're interested in. So you kind of get to take your time and kind of narrow it down a little bit, too, and be like, all right, these are the ones that I'm interested in. You get to like, I feel like, wouldn't you get to do a little bit more research on what may be best for you? And you're kind of taking some of that off the table because I guess I worry like if the coaches can contact them in summer, are we going to go back to the way it was before, where oh, you know, Johns Hopkins, they're talking to me. I went and visited the campus. I'm just going to commit because I know they're talking to like 15 other kids. And I want to make sure I get the spot before all those guys. Well, like I'm asking, like you're, but that's the same, but that's the same. I think that thing happens in September or, I mean, it's not like it's a year difference. It's a few months back and it's coinciding with the actual summer tour. Now in September, there's also the fall tour. And I prefer now again, being a selfish father, (laughs) I prefer the fall season. Um, uh, the, you know, the funny season, as they like to call it, you know, because, well, I like it because I have a small kid. Yeah. And usually in the fall tournaments, there's no football players there. Now, <laughs> and it makes a difference. I'm right. sorry. I Well, when you what, the eye test. <laughs> right. So you have less football, big, huge, because they, they, they grab the eye. Yeah. I mean, you see a big, huge kid. It's, right. it, you're drawn to him. You don't look at the kid who's 5'4 right. or 5'3. Um, so there's my selfishness talking about my own son. Uh, th- I don't even – not even saying that he's getting recruited or anything, but I just like to go there. So yeah. it's – so I look at it either way. doesn't matter to me. I don't have a child that people are going to be banging down the door. I do, however, have friends who have children who coaches are going to bang down their door. And I know that – they would like to get this started and perhaps over with sooner than later. See, but um, that's that's what worries me. Because, well, it's, it's like, going to happen it's... anyway. Kids have been worried about this since since they've been in eighth grade. I mean, there's one child I'm speaking of who was called by Ohio State in eighth grade. Yeah. Then the rule came in, and it was radio silence. Yeah. So he's been sitting there since eighth grade – thinking, does Ohio State still want me? Now he will be a junior yeah. going at, when September 1st comes. He's a, he's a sophomore right now. Um, so he's been sitting there like, okay, well, is that our team still going to like me? Is it, so that started because of that. But this is the whole thought process. When you're playing high school, I want to do this. You're sending a tape out. You're, you're, you're making you know, tape. That's a, you're making a recording. Right? <laughs> right. You're, you're making a, a rec- YouTube clip. <laughs> right. Right. You're making your clips and, and whatever. Uh, I don't think the month difference makes a difference as far as angst. I think this takes angst off the table. Um, 
And as a parent, it coincides, it gives you, it gives you that opportunity to say, okay, I've blocked out a month of my schedule to go out East. Yeah. Um, now for me, it's, I drive, so right. I'll be driving back through Ohio or what. And if I said, okay, here's, um, uh, Ohio Wesleyan was out there, which is a D three school in Ohio and yeah. said, um, we'd like to, we're interested. I could drive to Ohio Wesleyan on the way back. You, right. you could make it all on your schedule yeah. as opposed to now it becomes September 1st. If it's September 1st, they're not waiting. They're not batting down the door for 98% of the players. Right. Okay. They're still waiting. And then they're going to wait till November when the silly season starts. Yeah. Well then it's like, okay, I have to go look at you in December, January, February, March. Like you can get, you can, it's a different world. It's a different season. It's a different time. So I see, I see both ways. I just find the, the convenience for me as a parent and, right. and, and for my kid. And, and it's, and, and to be bl- brutally honest, that's all I care about is right. me and my kid. Yeah. Um, that's what this is for is me and my kid. Yeah. Uh, so if that makes it easier for me and my kid, I'm for what makes it easier, and I'm speaking for the hundred thousand fathers, mothers, and children. Yeah, um, that drive this sport and the economy <laughs> of this sport. Right. Um, and, and these, these, this first changing it to the junior year thing changed a lot of things. Yeah, it made it easier. It made kids relax. Like where I know you're saying it. Yeah. It made kids have fun. Um, the travel circuit wasn't as crazy it got to be enjoyable yeah but the difference in um four months i don't think makes the difference so why not take it you're only taking it back four months right yeah yeah he's taking it back four months but i think when you're you mentioned... technically a junior when you get out of sophomore year you're still what 15 no like, you're 16 16 well, on the uh, I was on the young side, so you know yeah. I was I was still fifteen. But it's well, yeah. Like, I mean, you could be like you you could have a you know April or, or an August birthday. You know, yeah. See, I see your point, but it's like you're taking it back four months, but that's putting a lot more pressure on that summer session. Whereas now, since they can't be contacted, you're saying like the college coaches are kind of waiting till that November season, October November season, so the kids have more time. So they have, you know, you know, I mean, for some of the kids again. They might not be playing on varsity teams as sophomores. They may still right. be, you know, they they may have been riding the bench. So like the amount of actual playing time, like they may just practice. Like obviously, I know they do with the club team and stuff like that. But you know, they may not have been really been playing towards their sophomore year. So then they're thrown into a summer season in which, as it stands right now, they really again there's less pressure. They don't have to worry about it because if they come out and they're a little rusty in their first couple games because they didn't really play, maybe they rode the bench as a sophomore. And so, like, but now, like, if you change it back, like, yeah, it's only moving it back four months, but all of a sudden, like, I have to play well in this tournament because there's a sideline full of college coaches, and if I screw up, I'm screwing up my chance to go D1 kind of thing. Whereas if you're, if it's off the table, but like, well, you know, I can take, you know, you can play. They're still there watching, though. And then they're there watching, but then, like, those coaches also know, like, and it's, like, they know, like, well, I'm looking at a young kid. I'm looking at a sophomore. Like, let me see him in November. How? What's the improvement between now and November? Then and then, and like, and I think you get a little bit more time to, you know, for the kids to kind of and like, 
I don't think there's really anything wrong with having a little bit more time to make a decision, like a more educated decision. And like, I understand the perspective of, you know, yeah, we want to get it over with, but I heard that from a lot of kids for many, many years. And a lot of them didn't really like the recruiting process. Just, it wasn't fun for them. They're like, I just wanted it. Like I heard, I just wanted it over with so many times because they were like, and so many kids told me like I committed because everybody else was committing. Like, yeah, and that's I, true. And I, and I felt like if I didn't do it, I wasn't going to get the out. spot. And for me, I'm like, that's one. It's a horrible reason to commit to a school because you don't, you, don't, you don't really know if you want to go there. Like, you may not have had the ability to visit. You may not have had the ability. You know, like, you may not know. And in lacrosse, like we see so many kids develop late. Oh yeah. That you know, then it was taking a lot. Like, you know, kid may have been uh, Division One. You know. It, you think like obviously Pat Spencer's a bad, bad example, but you know a kid like Pat, you know, someone could grow into a talent of you know maybe not his caliber, but you know a Division One player that could have an impact. But it may not happen till his you know junior or senior season. But in the old rule, like well, those recruiting officers are done. Like there is no Division One schools have a spot well, open at that point. That goes to a few different things. It goes back to what I've always said. There are more Division One players than there are Division One teams. Yes, but here's the other aspect. Now you're dealing with kids and players and parents and coaches. When you were dealing with them, was more from the East Coast. Okay? No, actually, um, a lot of the stuff that I talked to, like I remember talking to kids out of Minnesota. Um, I talked to kids from Ohio. Like I, I used to see because obviously, as you mentioned, everybody everybody lives on the east coast for three months out of the year in recruiting right. tournaments and i tended to focus more on the kids that came long distances like i remember talking to and i always forget the kid's name but he went to trinity in um kentucky uh and he was one of the good fa- brad lot um face-off kid and like i remember talking to his dad we were standing there um it was at a warrior 40 event like that was an event that we ran at when i was at espn and he was trying out, he was like, yeah, we're going here, 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 and here, and we're fitting in a college visit, and we're doing this. And he's like, basically, we won't be home for like two, three weeks. He's like, because there's nothing in Kentucky for us to do during this time of year. It's he's true. Like, he was like, so they, they were doing it. He was like, and we need to get it, like, we want it done. And it, that was a little bit different because I think he was heading into a senior year, so he was a little bit, you say late, but that you got to keep in mind context at the time. Like, you know, that's really when decisions should be getting made. Like, I agree. That, that was I kind agree of the more that. normal time frame from the sport that I was coming in in football. But yet in lacrosse, it was like so far behind. I'm never going to Well, it was spot. because you had to jump first in lacrosse. You had, yes. to, you, had to take the, you had to take the risk on a kid because there were only so many schools that can get those kids. So yeah. it was it, they had to fight to get them. Yeah. Well, now there's more teams. A few more. There's more options. Yeah. Well, but – I think now the D2 and D3 levels are um, becoming more – parents aren't as hung up on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even know this from football players. I've had friends whose kids were football players, and, and they were – my kid's going D1, D1, and they're like, oh, you know, uh, this my kid's going to go to DePauw now. Uh, and another one was going to, to Denison, and it's the same thing. So it changed. So now I think parents are being be, being more educated, where I'd like to say – if they're get, if if they're pulling the cream of the crop in June, okay, <laughs> it sort of clears the field for the kids who might have a chance to shine and then still be able to get contacted. Okay, these this kid's gone, this kid's gone, this kid's gone. Now this kid's going to get looked at because they know these kids were taken out of the picture. So that might mean the kid who was recruited in June 
who now is committed, air quotes, because yeah. that changes too, might not show up in July or at the early August one. And that can give a kid more shots and get the answer before. So these, I mean, there is no perfect answer because, no, no. again, I've heard from coaches about kids who are freshmen. Yeah. It always gets back to them. Right. There are, you know, there are certain rules where a coach could call the, the, the a coach could call a coach and inquire about it, um, but can't give anything or make a text or a call. It's all the weird stuff, right. but I, there's always gray areas. So yeah. the great kids are going to know they're great. It, this is, I think what I'm looking at is the kid who is a tweener who doesn't know where he fits. He thinks he might be this. And you get that answer right away, knowing, oh, I'm not, okay, I'm not D1. I'm I'm not. See, but I think the later helps that tweener because it lets oh, him develop. You know, if he's between, um, and again, I, I almost hate saying like D1, D3 because it feels like we're, like D1 is the dream where I'm right. much more of a believer, like, you know what, you know, go where you fit. 100%. You know. Forget about lacrosse and find out where you fit because if you're not Thank happy you. at school, it doesn't matter what you're doing. But not everyone's like that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I have to talk people off the ledge so much. In the last two weeks, I went and my kid's going D1, D1, and I, I keep asking him, I'm like, why? If he's miserable like, there, it doesn't matter what but, he's But I asked, the, I've said to the parents, I'm like, and I don't want to put down any school. Right. But I'm like, okay, so your son was offered a D1 scholarship or again i like when they tell me Air the scholarship i'm like yeah. you're not you're not sniffing a die i mean yeah. maybe five g's but i go so your kid's gonna go to that school which sure it's d1 lacrosse mm -hmm. i go tell me in 10 years when he's doing well and he's got his d1 scholarship to the schools or he and i always use, like to use tufts because i literally think tufts is probably the greatest school in the world uh, i think it's as up there yeah. williams tufts put him up against anybody yeah I'm talking Harvard, Princeton, yeah. Stanford. You give me. You can look at the alumni to, list right, of Tufts. <laughs> right, right. Or you can go to Williams. Or you can go to Tufts. What one do you think is going to solve your child's problem in the next 10 years? Yeah. This four years of, of lacrosse at D1 or D3 school at Tufts or yeah. Williams or Amherst or Salisbury or, uh, yeah. you know, Swarthmore. Yeah. Or, I mean, I can go any of the NESCAC schools. Now, if you look at a lot of these great kids from Long Island, they turn down D1 schools. Yeah. They, If it's not Ivy League, they don't look. Okay, yeah. it's not Ivy League. Let's go to NESCAC. Yeah. I promise you, there are probably, there are tons of D1 players in the NESCAC. Oh, yeah. Tons. I mean, yeah. I would love to see a jamboree of D1, D2, D3 teams go and play. Yeah. Because I am sure that the top three teams, top four teams in D3 could could put a good run against some of these teams. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think they could beat them. Yeah. So I think focusing on D1 is, is A, crazy. Yeah. So, unless, unless you can get a full ride. Right. Like if you said, full ride, boom, changes the whole game. We're not going to see that player in our lifetime. Right. <laughs> I mean, but that was if, you if know, Brennan O'Neill, like right, I don't know what is the situation. But if Brennan O'Neill didn't get a scholarship, full right. ride, we're not going to see that. But I guess right. to my 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 point was for that tweener kid that you know is between going D one D three. I think giving him 
taking those four months off the table and letting it be in November, that could be the difference between getting contact from maybe D1 schools where he may want to go versus be like, well, now all the D1 um, recruiting classes are filled because they got all taken by the kids in the summer, but he's a little bit of a late bloomer. He's like, oh, you know, I really didn't develop till you know, fall my junior year, but all those spots are gone. So I think for the tweeners, like, I think it can help them, you know, yes, I know there's immediate feedback and it's just kind of the culture we live in now where just that you have to have that immediate, you know, shock to the system. But, you know, I, again, and I think it's like, there's nothing wrong with having those few extra months. And I'm like, and again, like, I'm, I guess I don't consider myself siding like with the NCAA or the college coaches. Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm trying to advocate more for the kids and be like, Give them more time to make the decision. And I understand where you're coming from, like the travel, and it's easier. But I also think, like, well, if you take it to November, maybe you don't get the travel until summer after your junior year, and then you have a lot more time to weigh your options and make decisions. And then you're making them, you have a lot more information by that time, because then by that time, you know the list of schools. Now, granted, I know there's going to be, like, you're always going to get kids to commit, and they've never even set foot on the campus. Like, Which there's, there's probably there's probably a kid here that, like, I want to go to Syracuse, I want to go to Hopkins. I want to go to Maryland, like does not matter any. And they'll just be like, we just, you know, maybe they don't even go to visit, but I like, I've, you know, I guess I've talked to enough kids over the, over the years to know, and many different sports to know, like it's a slippery slope. And once like you start pushing it back, I'm like, all right, you know, well then why don't we just move it back four more months and we let, you know, fall the sophomore year. Cause what's, right, four, what's, what's right. four more months, but like, and then that way they can during that fall, October of their sophomore year, coaches can talk to them. Like I mean, personally, yeah. personally here, if you want to know my personal, I would like it moved to June of their, uh, of going into their senior year. Because again, as a father of a late bloomer, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> I didn't grow until I was 18 right. to give those kids a chance. Again, not saying my son's going to be it, but uh, he's small. Yeah, he will be big. I'm not small. I was, I was five, I was five four when I was sixteen. I sat on a pillow to drive a car. <laughs> I'm five eleven now and shrinking. I'm, I'm. My brothers are six one and six two. Yeah. My son's going to grow. Yeah. It's just going to happen late. Right. And so you know, it's and that's a good case. Like you know, and I think that probably there's probably a happy medium that would never happen. Um, and I'm not going to fix you know, NCAA or anything like that by any means. Right. But it's like when it's like, I don't see anything wrong. Like if you made it junior for um, September 1st of junior, like, all right, college coaches contact is open. Um, but no offers can be made until June after your junior year. Cause I think at least then you would have like, all right, you can talk so you can get info. Like basically like September to June is your information gathering time. Like you can find out like, all right, we know who's interested I know who's all interested, but like none of the kids can make the decision until June. Like you'd end up with basically, well, signing day in football and has become like that basically one day. But most people don't realize like you don't actually have to sign that day. You can take right. a lot longer. Like it's right. just it's just become a, a national holiday that you know right. everybody makes a decision that day. And I think if you did that in something in lacrosse where it's like all right, June first is when, or you know, we'll just take June fifteenth since that's a proposed date for this one. Like June fifteenth is when the first kind of the offers can come in. You'd end up getting something along that line. Like I mean, inside lacrosse might hate it because they might not get any sleep for the next week because of all the offers and commitments that would be coming in at that point. But you know, I think by that point, like you might see less of the. I went here for a year. 
I hated it. So I'm transferring to a D2 or D3 school where, you know, I thought about it. And that happens a ton. And that's not going to stop. Like you're always going to get kids to go. I know, but but I don't, but I don't think that people know that enough that there are a ton of kids who leave after their first year, because let's think if you're from Arizona and all of a sudden you're playing out East when winter hits you, you go, what the hell is this? Yeah. (laughs) I don't want this. Right. And they go back and they leave. Yeah. You know, you're, you might've been the big star on your high school team. And then you go to a D one program and you're sitting on the bench, but you're working your butt off and they leave. There is so much attrition that goes on to D one programs. Yeah. Again, not bashing D1 programs. It's not for everyone, but it is for some people. And yeah. I just say, but I, 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 my tangent keeps going off here because of the parent thing. And now right. as a parent, I have one aspect as uh, someone in lacrosse media, quote, <laughs> air, air quote quotes. thing. Uh, I mean, I did get a press pass at a couple of places, so I guess I am <laughs> you journalist. Are yeah, you're I am right. A... Um, so to talk to parents who come up to me, who have literally in the last two weeks. I, now, you have to picture this. I sit alone in the stands. I yeah. go up into a corner. I have my iPhone. I have a notebook. And I, I, I'm like, things are falling apart. You know who I am. I'm not, it's not like I don't have a laptop. I have paper yeah. and paperweights. And then people come up and sit next to me. And they ask me, are you from Lax Records? Yeah, yeah. And, and first of all, I'm like... Wow, that's the craziest thing. Yeah. Like, so my son, this, 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 and I say to every one of them something that I heard from a recruiting coach. Yeah, does your son love lacrosse? Like, yeah. I go, does he wake up and practice? Like, no. I go, does he sleep with a stick? No. I said, when he comes home from school, is the first thing he does practice? They're like, no. I go, and you think he's a D one player? Yeah. I said because that's what that's what life as a D one player is. Yeah. You wait. It's lacrosse first, then school. Yeah. No social life. No this. So if your kid likes, right? If your kid likes to stay up till one o'clock in the morning playing Fortnite every night with his buddies, that say goodbye to that. Yeah. Because so now, think of it from that prism of D one. Yeah. Um. And there are kids who literally love the sport. Oh yeah. That walk around with the stick in their hand twenty four seven, and you go, "That's a D one kid." Yeah. You could see the D1 kids yep. before they're playing. Yeah. You could you go to any tournament and you see the kids screwing around laying down talking on their phones yeah. and you see the kid with the stick walking around twirling it and you go I I got to watch that kid at the next game yeah. because he's not doing what the other ones do. Yeah. So there's that whole aspect of it as a parent and and then as talking to parents and the whole recruiting process and how we're not even getting into the clubs how the clubs deal with it against right. co- high school coaches I think the least dirty part of it is this four month change. Yeah. I think there's so much more <laughs> that could be discussed and, and, and litigated and, 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 and done. Uh, but that's why I don't find this to be a big deal where I find it is more of a help because yeah. if this summer some school comes up to my son and says, Hey, we'd be interested in you. I'm getting in the car with him after that tournament and driving to that school. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if everyone's like me, but I, that's what I would do. Yeah. Let's check it out. Let's get the, let's get all the information Yeah. because we're out there. I don't want to hear it when I'm back in Indiana and someone says, Oh, would you like to see this school in Maine? And I'd be like, wait, I was just out there. Yeah. You know, I could have, now I got to do this. So there's the convenience. Yeah. So, and, and again, there's no right or wrong answer. 
Right. And it's really, it's uh, it's up, it, everything is up to the individual player, the parents, and how they react. I mean, right. no no two kids are alike. You know, one like you said, one kid he may eat, live, and breathe oh. lacrosse, and there's nothing else. Like, if they're, you know, they're not coming home to play Fortnite, they're coming home from practice, and they're hitting the wall. Like, you know, right. it's like they're those kids that, and so they may be ready to make that decision mm-hmm. June 15th to be like, I know what I want to do. I have no right. doubt. And then there's other kids like we talked about, like they're tween, they're not sure, and they would like more time. So I'd really be curious to hear what everybody else thinks. So you know, if you're on uh, listen to this through your podcast player, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram, and we'll make sure. Like uh, I'm at Lax Records on Instagram and Twitter, um, and then Mike is at MFWCHI on Twitter. Um, and I'll let him <laughs> kind of give your give his email and his spiel as we usually do. But if you're watching this on YouTube, because we actually do this video on YouTube now, you can leave some comments below because um, I'd really be curious because I have a feeling this is one of those things like I'm going to be curious what happens because um, my the one question the article did not give to me that I had a question about was like, who's actually pushing this? Because most things in NCAA are driven by the revenue sports, driven by money. And football, basketball are taken out of it. Baseball is excluded. So I'm like, all right, if it's if it's not them, why? What, like I was like, who's driving this? Like who's? And obviously the coaches that he interviewed didn't seem like they were the ones driving it. So for me, I'm like, all right, who's NCAA just came out and randomly said they want to move the date up? Like it seemed. What sport does it help the most or hurt the most? Yeah, and I mean, like, it can't. There's no way the NCAA is making something to make recruiting for lacrosse. Like yeah. they're thinking from a lacrosse standpoint. I, I could never. If they were thinking from a lacrosse standpoint ever, there'd be more lacrosse on TV. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be recruiting. Yeah. Uh, so that was the one question that I ha- that I have. It's still unanswered. Like I'm really not sure. Like what the what the driver is behind this. So like I'm I'm curious to see how this kind of goes. Because if it's not the major revenue sports, then what? It, like, what is it? And obviously, it doesn't seem to be lacrosse unless there's a contingent of coaches behind the scenes that just are doing it. Lacrosse which... coach has that much pull to exactly. make the NCAA do anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a multi-billion-dollar company. Some lacrosse coach is going to hey, it, literally. I don't think Urban Meyer or Nick Saban could get the NCAA to do anything, or Bobby Knight. They kicked them out. There is not a lacrosse coach in the history of the world that could say, hey, we should change this. I mean, so you're right. Like, who benefits? Yeah. You know, who? Like, why did it happen? Like, yeah, what... we're, we're taking ice hockey. I'm like, is this women's volleyball? Like, you know, it's like, really, what sport is the driving force behind it that it's just like enough to. And so, but we'll see. I mean, I think they said there were, uh, when I don't have the date in front. Oh, the council meets April 17th and 19th. So we're in, to vote on it. So we're not talking, we're a month less than that, right? right? Yeah, we're less than a month away from that. So uh, that's going to be interesting to, to watch and see how this plays out and to see how the lacrosse community. On both sides, because I think it's a little. I mean, obviously, we don't necessarily agree on what side of it to fall on, even though I think we're both on the same side of the. We're both advocating for the same people, just right. on two different sides. So I'm like, that right. kind of shows you how complicated this whole thing is. So I will be curious to see how that plays out. So I guess we'll be probably revisiting this in late April. Um, I once... would like to put a poll out there. Uh, I'd like to see what travel coaches think. 
that's yeah, that's another aspect we didn't even Ooh. didn't even get into. So well, that's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. So if I you're mean, if you're a club coach, listen to this. Definitely let us know. Like reach out to us, Michael. Like let me let you do the official, uh, <laughs> so you can let everybody know where to find you online. Oh, okay. Uh, you could email me at mward at laxrecords.com or I'm on Twitter, like Mike said, at mfwchi. And then, like I said, I'm uh, at Lax Records on Twitter and Instagram, same on Facebook. Um, so we'd love to hear from everybody to kind of see what oh, you yeah. guys think on this because on any of the topics that we discussed today. Um, but I have a feeling this is probably the one that most people would probably have. I'm sure people have opinions on this. And I'm really curious to see what those thoughts are because, I mean, the most of the people that we read on Twitter, like they seem to be kind of in favor of change. But, you know, that was a, a, a small amount of the total across community. So we'll be curious to see. So uh, everybody, if you're listening to this on uh, your podcast player, make sure try to leave us a, a review in iTunes that really is uh, supposed to help the show. At least so I'm told. Like uh, we don't have any reviews yet, but we'd love to hear it. Positive or negative. Um, negative always helps us change on what we might do. Positive, just kind of nice. It'd be a nice ego boost. Um, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. So everybody, until next week. <laughs>